This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 304. So they escorted me over into a corner. Dwayne came up and he, you know, the first thing he did, got on my level and high five me. He goes, dude, I'm such a big fan. And I'm like, I'm like trying to hold my inner fan girl in, right? I'm like freaking out. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he's like, uh, can we get a picture? And we took a picture and I told him, I looked at him. I said, I told him all the things I was going to be doing. You know, at that time I was like, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I told him, I looked him in his eyes. I said, I'm going to do what you did. And he said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, you're the rock. I said, people knew you for football. And then people knew you for WWE. And then you took over the world. Like you're in every industry. You're crushing every industry. I said, I'm going to do that. And he looked me in my eyes. He said, Nick, you're right. Because like people like me and you, they put us in any industry and we adapt and overcome. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? This is Brandon with the Bigger Pockets podcast here with a wonderful assistant to the host, Mr. David Green. I'm just Vanna White at this point. <laughs> David, how you doing? What have you been up to? You buy, I, I know you're buying a real estate deal. Tell me, tell me about it. Well, I'm trying to. This whole point oh, up to which we recorded the podcast where I'm in negotiations with the wholesaler right now, uh, trying to find a way to put a deal together and make it work. Nice, nice. Well, good luck on that. You know, where's it at? So the house is in Florida. Basically, he brought it to me. He gave me a number. He said the rehab should be X. When I went and got my estimate, the rehab was Y. It was about 10,000 uh, more for what I was getting. That never so happens. <laughs> right, right, right. And of course, that's 10K more now before when she started, it's going to grow even bigger. Yeah. And I said, hey, man, sorry, I can't make it work. Thanks for bringing it to me. You know, please bring me your deals in the future. I'll give you an answer right away. So he's circling back a week later saying, hey, turns out I need to get this thing moved really quick. Can you close in like five days? Now, I already had the inspections done because I had those ordered when I was getting my rehab. So I know I just need clear title and I can buy it. So now we have to find a way to get the price closer to where it'll work. So we looked at my rehab budget. He thinks he can do some of the work cheaper than what my guy was going to do it for. So he's going to handle the most expensive part of the rehab. And I know he has a good crew because I worked them and we're lowering the price some. So now we're getting really close to the number we nice. want to be at. I think I'm going to put this one together. It's going to have an ARV of about 210 to 215. And I'm probably going to be all in for around like 150 to 160, it looks like. That sounds like a burr deal to me. Yep. It's nice. getting cold over here. Getting cold over here. All right. Well, with that, let's get to today's show. Uh, like I said, today's show is a little bit different. Today we have Nick Santa. Ah! <laughs> Every time I butcher his last name, Nick Santa, you do it. You're just Santanastasso. Santanastasso. Oh, I'm, I'm a little Italian and Nick's Italian, so we yeah. just have like an advantage over you. You you look like you're a, a Viking from Norway. Can't pronounce these Italian I, names. I am a Viking from Norway. So Nick is a guy. Me and David, or David and I, met at a conference recently, and just both thought he was just fantastic. Uh, Nick was born with a syndrome, which uh, he'll talk about in the show, but. He was born with no legs and only one arm. And even on that arm, he's got only one finger on that arm. So he talks about that experience, how he had a very low chance of survival to begin with, and how he's, I guess, grown to be a super inspiring, very motivating, I guess, individual speaker, author. He's got a new book coming out. And he's like, just a fantastic guy. Uh, and the reason we wanted him here on the Bigger Pockets podcast, obviously a real estate show, is because the stuff he talks about, the mindset changes or something that every, almost every newbie, like and not even newbie, right? Experienced people. I face this stuff as well, right? Like 
these things hold us back. And if you can break through these mindset things, it'll, it'll push you so much further. So we don't go into real estate at all. I mean, this might be the first show we haven't even mentioned the word real estate. I don't, well, I guess we did give some examples, but this show, like you need to listen to this show. Plus his stories are just amazing. Like he met the rock and he got to scare, dress up as a zombie and scare the guy from the walking dead, the, the motorcycle guy. And yeah, just super cool. You guys are loving Nick- it. Nick is all about leveling up. And if you're a newbie to you, leveling up is getting a, your first deal, your first couple deals. Yep. If you're an experienced investor, leveling up is getting out of your business and making it run more passively or getting more deals. Whatever your issue is, growth is your friend. And Nick is all about how you master the art of growing yep. and creating this mindset. Like that's what his superpower is, is this guy, when you get done listening to him, you walk away knowing I can do anything. I can do anything that I want. And you're not thinking thoughts that are contrary to that. So you got to listen to this episode. You probably want to share it with some friends, right? Like no matter who you are, when you hear Nick speak, you will feel different about yourself and your odds for the change that you're looking for. There you go. Love it. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You've heard us talk about it before. High interest rates are crushing real estate investors, leaving even some of the best investors in need of funding now. But with today's liquidity crisis, who can fill the demand? With Fundrise, America's largest direct-to-investor alternative asset manager, you have the opportunity to. Fundrise's new opportunistic private credit strategy was designed specifically for this new market environment. Fundrise supplies high-demand bridge financing on high-quality assets with credit-worthy borrowers. Top real estate investors get the funding they need while you walk away getting paid a healthy interest rate. To date, Fundrise has completed more than $500 million worth of private credit deals with an average net interest of 10.8%, and they've already amassed a pipeline worth more than $300 million. Don't sit on the sidelines. You can take advantage of this unique window of opportunity while it lasts with Fundrise's new private credit strategy. Ready to start? Go to Fundrise.com pockets to learn more. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. All right, with that, let's get to the show with Nick. I don't want to waste any more time in this introduction, so let's bring him in. All right, Nick, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Good to see you again. Thank you for the opportunity, brother. I'm happy to be here. 
Uh, All right, Nick. So before we go any further into the show and hear your story, I want you to teach me how to say your last name because I stumble every time. How do I do that? Got it. So it's Santinastasso. I'm not going to get that. Does that help? (laughs) Santinastasso. Yeah. Hey, look at that. Try David. Five times fast. Go. Santinastasso. 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 He's a pro. That's pretty impressive. Is it Italian in nature? Yeah, it's Italian. Okay, so does it help if you like make the Italian hand when you say it? Is that like because that's what I was doing under the desk? That's why I got him out so fast. Oh, yeah. the secret. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so we're okay. So now we got your last name nailed down, and I'm probably going to butcher that when I record the intro and later. But whatever. Let's let's go into your story a little bit here about you know who are you, why you, uh, and why why are we talking to you today? Tell us about your story. Yeah. So I'm Nick Santanastasso. I'm 22 years old and I was born in, in New Jersey. And so in 1996, when my mom was pregnant with me, it was her last pregnancy. And so everything was going fine. You know, they went in for the first ultrasound. It was, it was great. Second ultrasound was great. And then they went in for an, uh, you know, a late ultrasound. And basically, you know, they sat my parents down, pulled the baby up on the screen. And, you know, the, the doctor started having like a puzzled look on their face. And my parents like, you know, what's, what's going on? And they said, well, from the looks of it, it doesn't look like your your baby's limbs are being developed. It looks like his legs are missing, his arm, he might have a cleft palate. You know, they started listing a, you know, a bunch of these things that could have been the case. And in that moment, it, it's crazy. In that moment, my parents looked at each other and, you know, they said, we're going to see where life takes this kid. We're going to we're going to focus focus on the 30 percent and not that 70 percent because they actually gave me a 30 percent, 30 percent chance to live. And, you know, that's what I always tell people. I'm like, we have that same choice as my parents in life. And that's like, are you going to focus on the good in life or are you going to focus on the bad? And which focusing on the bad will never serve you in any situation. And so, you know, they said, Mr. and Mrs. Santa DeStasso, it looks like he has about 30% chance to live because they diagnosed me with Hanhart syndrome. And what Hanhart syndrome is, is a super rare genetic disorder that either leaves the babies with undeveloped limbs or undeveloped organs. And so at the time of my birth in 1996, I was the 12th baby in medical history that they've ever seen this happen to. And so out of the 12, eight of them have passed away due to undeveloped organs. So, you know, the baby's born and they can't breathe on their own, can't eat on their own, and they later on pass away. And so I was born. Um, they immediately did tests on my organs and they came back 100% healthy. The only thing that was affected were my limbs. And that's kind of like, you know, where I, I talk about living in a state of gratitude and how that can literally change your life. And, you know, as a 22 year old dude now, you know, I think about the rare chance of just being a human. And then the fact that like I, I made it through like something that was like 30% chance to live. And so I always tell people that my tribe, my guys, every time when we wake up, we, we think about five things we're great before we write them down because the emotion of gratitude outweighs all the negative emotions. And what I mean by that is like, it is emotionally impossible for you to feel grateful and sad at the same time or grateful and mad because that, that emotion of gratitude is just so heavy and outweighs all the negative emotions. And so as soon as I was born, the doctors basically handed over a list to my parents, um, especially back then when, you know, being, being born disabled, like it wasn't very, you know, it was frowned upon, right? It was like things were shunned and they were hidden. And so it was, it was a weird time, you know, in the world. And so they handed over this list to my parents and were like, here, here's all the things your son won't be able to do. And, you know, it was just a list of like, your son can't, you know, feed himself, dress himself, and basically, you know, told my parents they'd be a big baby. And that's why I'm super grateful for the way my parents reacted, because that's all life is, is how you react to situations. And they were like, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I'm not going to, 
right? Regardless of if you're a professional, I'm not going to let you put limits on my son and, and, you know, already see what he's capable of doing. I'm going to go see what he's capable of doing. You know what? So, if I could jump in real quick, I just I, I yeah, want to yeah. pull up this point there. I, I think it's interesting. You know, yeah, they gave you a list, your parents a list of things that you would not be able to do. But like, I totally can translate that to almost everybody in life has like these things that are like predefined, right? Like, like oh, you you were born in a poor area, you can't become wealthy. Or hey, you were born with you know whatever, you were born in this family or in this country or with this limitation of some kind. Hey, that kid has a learning disability, and he, you know he's clearly not going to make it anywhere. I, I just think that's interesting. Like. The way your parents were just like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Like, we're not going to let somebody else define, you know, what our kid is going to do or not do. You know, and I wish more yeah. people thought about that in life. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because people, people are, are primed and programmed through like their environment, right? Like if, if you have a school that's run down and, you know, not, not much is going on and the teachers don't even believe in the kids, the kids feel like, you know, that, that no one believes in them. And, and, you know, I think the important part about that is like, people need to realize that like, no one's going to save you. Only you're going to save you. Like only you can get yourself out of whatever hole you're in. Like no one's coming to save you. And, and that's what, you know, I kind of realized that like, I'll get into that when I was at my lowest point, but like, like kids, kids go through school and, and, you know, say their schools run down and they don't even see the school getting fixed up because no one cares. Like they think that just, they're just like not going to go anywhere in life. Right. Because it's crazy. It's, it's our environment and, and our, and everything around us that programs us to have those like limiting beliefs. And so, yeah, so my parents were like, thanks, but no thanks. And the one thing, the way they raised me is, is super crazy and, and I'm super grateful for it. So basically from the earliest of ages, my parents sat me down in the most polite way and said, Nick, the world's not going to stop for you because you're born like this, you know, like this happened, but like, you got to keep moving forward. Things are going to be hard and they're going to take more time than other kids. But like, you're not giving up, like you're not feeling sorry for yourself. And so they, in the most polite way, like I said, they would put things in front of me. And so for example, they'd put my clothes in front of me and say, all right, Nick, like try to figure it out. Or they'd put, you know, put me in my high chair and they put food in front of me with a utensil and say, all right, Nick, figure it out. And, you know, I always tell people and I ask parents, I'm like, now you, you can sit here and self-reflect and ask yourself, are you doing too much for your kids? Like, are you, are you letting your kids get away with too much? You know, are, are you not letting them fall on their face? You know, because by my parents simply putting these trials and tribulations in front of me and, and letting me fall on my face at an early age, it got my mindset in the rhythm of, okay, it's not can't, but it's how, you know, yeah. things, things are going to be hard. Things are going to take more time, but it's like, how am I going to run through this obstacle? How am I going to break through this barrier? And I think that is the same exact mindset. That's, the, that's not just a Nick mindset. That's a mindset everybody needs to have, right? Like, you know, things get hard. Life gets fast. We, we get, we get like overwhelmed by challenges or what we have in front of us. Right. But like, you need to stop and be like, okay, how am I going to get through this? Because not only entrepreneurs, but humans in general, they have the tendency to start with can't. So what I mean by that is someone says like, if you go up to someone and say, well, I'm going to do this, their, their immediately reaction is, a, is to say, oh, well, you can't do it because this, this, and this, and this. Well, that doesn't empower you. That doesn't do, that doesn't do anything for you. It's not going to get you anywhere. So why don't you start listing all the reasons why you can or how you can? That's more empowering. And I think people like they shoot themselves in the foot, like right off the like you know the finish line, by just like saying, "Oh, well, this is going to happen, and I can't do this." Right? It's just like the way you look at it. Yeah, that's and so well, that's such a good. There's a book out there called Rich Dad Poor Dad that I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. And a lot of people on the show talk about it, right? Yeah. So Kiyosaki in that book, one of the most life changing things I ever read was when I was maybe 21, 22. And he said in the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that poor people say, I can't afford it. And wealthy people or rich people say, ask, 
how do I afford it? Right. And that like when I read that, I was like, he's so right. Like my entire life I've said, and it's not just about money, right? It's about everything. It's like some people say I can't and some people ask how. And I think if there's like one thing I could like narrow my entire life down to like, like that's made probably the biggest impact. It's like that little phrase is instead of saying I can't, it's how can I? And I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think the same thing with like changing your language, right? Like people don't realize how much they say can't. And so when, when you hear yourself say can't, like change that. I had, I had someone in a call yesterday. He was like, I'm not creative. And I told him, I said, well, instead of keep telling yourself you're not creative, just say you're getting better at being creative each and every day. Like give yourself something empowered, you know, because if you always tell yourself you're stupid, you're probably right, you know, but if, if you give yourself a, you know, a better meaning, it, it empowers you to go ahead and, you know, get more creative or learn more. And so, yeah, so growing up, you know, my parents threw me on a bunch of things and I have a, a, a funny story. One of the things they threw at me at an early age was a skateboard. And so they, they put me on a skateboard on my stomach and I always compare skateboarding to life because like, if you're not growing, you're dying. Like if you're not trying to get better, if you're not trying to move forward, like, what are you doing? And so they put me on a skateboard on my stomach and I, and I was riding it like a skateboard. And then like, we're entrepreneurs, we're hustlers. We always want more. Right. And so Nick finally realized if I sat upright, I could get much more momentum. You know, I could get much more momentum and speed. And then finally, that's not enough. And so after a long day of skateboarding, I said, hey, mom and dad, come outside. I learned a trick. And my mom was like, oh, God, you know what now, Nick? And so I brought them outside and, you know, I kept them at the bottom of the hill and I, I, I rode my skateboard all the way top, to the top of the hill. I'm like, mom and dad, you ready? And so I come flying down this hill. And right when I get to him, I pop up on a handstand. I pop up on a handstand and my face is like two inches from the pavement. And they're like, oh, my God. And I'm like, did you see that? And like, they're like freaking out, like, dude, you're crazy. <laughs> And, and the reason why I say that is because when I posted that picture of the handstand when I was a young kid, it was like a more iconic picture. But what people currently see was the handstand. They didn't see how many times Nick fell on his face trying to do the yeah. handstand. And that's the same thing in life because we all look up to entrepreneurs. We all look up to businessmen. We all look up to actors, DJs, whatever it may be. But what we currently see is where they are currently, their, their current success. We didn't see how many times they were told no, how many times they were denied or told they weren't good enough, pretty enough, whatever it may be. And so that's what I tell people, like, we're all going through this journey of life, the ups and downs. And like, my advice to you is like, embrace the journey. Like the beauty behind life is the contrast of life. If we were, if we were put on this earth and everything was easy, we'd be like, wow, this is, this is really boring. And so in those times of hardship and those times of like, man, like this is uncomfortable, this is, this is scaring me, like embrace that because that means like there's some massive personal growth to come ahead. And that means you're out of your comfort zone and you're growing like, and so when, when things are kind of boring and they're stagnant, like get out of that, like that, that's your key to like, okay, I need something that's going to start pivoting me or, or start growing. And so before middle school, I didn't realize I was different. I didn't realize this package I had going on. I was just, you know, a, a young kid living life. And, and then I got into middle school and in high school, but middle school, I think we can agree that like, that's probably it's one the of the worst. most judgmental times. <laughs> that's it one sucks. of the most judgmental, yeah. yeah, the most judgmental times of our lives. And if you have kids, your kids' lives and so I got into middle school and it was a big, it was a big slap in the face for me. And what I mean by that is like, I realized the kids, you know, l the little teasing, I never got bullied, but there was always, you know, little teasing, always like, th you know, throwing names. I, I realized that although I wasn't any, any slower mentally, but because I had someone pushing me in a wheelchair and someone sitting with me in class that, you know, kids correlated with me, correlated me with being slow. And, you know, I was just out of shape. I was depressed. And I was a kid that thought you were either born with confidence 
or you didn't have it. I thought it was just, you know, acquired through birth or, or you didn't have it. So that was one of my limiting beliefs, right? It was like, I'm not confident. I'll never have confidence. And at a very low point in my life, I didn't, I didn't want to go in public. I didn't want to look into a mirror. I was, I was like absolutely disgusted with my body. I was at like my rock bottom. And, you know, some of the thoughts that were going through my head that like my best way out was to take my life that I didn't, I was so disgusted and so uncomfortable with my body that like, it's not worth it. And, you know, I got, I was going into high school and in my family, in, in my family and in public, I, I feel it's, And still to this day, I'm the glue. Like I'm that positive figure. Like if everyone's having a bad day, they call Nick and they, you know, they want Nick to talk. And so I feel like I had this role even from an early age. And so when I was at this low point in my life, I put on a mask because I knew that, you know, just a simple smile from myself would, would change someone, right. Just change their demeanor. So I got into freshman year and I'm at like my all low, like I'm, I'm, I need to figure out, you know, a way to dig myself out of this hole, out of this hole. And that's what I was saying before that I realized like, no one's coming to save me. I'm like, yeah, Nick, like no one's coming to save you. The only person that's going to make a drastic change in your life, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually is you like, no one's going to dig you out of this hole. And so my best friend, Dan, we're still best friends to this day. My freshman year, he wrestled his whole entire life. And don't ask me why, but his freshman year, he decided to be a bowler. So it was like, <laughs> it was like really black and white, super different. And he comes up to me and he goes, Nick, you, you, you know, you try, you try new things. You can do bowling. All you got to do is roll the ball down the lane. And then when you come back, you get to eat cheese fries. It's really easy. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm in like, I'm Italian. I'm all about food. So anything that's got to do with food, I'm in. And so I was like, all right, Dan, I'll try it for the bowling team, right? Because I'm looking for something. I'm looking for support. I'm looking for an extracurricular activity. I'm looking for a sport that is going to just, you know, help, help elevate me, help elevate my confidence, make me feel better about myself. And so I always tell people I'm from New Jersey. Our, you have your JV sports and you have your varsity sports. So your JV is not your starting lineup and your varsity is your starting lineup. And so our varsity team was, were studs and our JV team, our JV bowling team was undefeated. Until Nick joined the team, I joined the team. I, I gave, I gave our bowling team our first loss, and I soon realized that you know bowling wasn't for me. I wanted to push myself, you know, more physically and mentally. And so I was going into sophomore year, and my older brother, who was about six years older than me, he wrestled for my high school. And in New Jersey, wrestling's like a big deal. It's it's like it's like football in some places, huge. And so I always like looked up to wrestlers. I thought they were the, just the coolest thing ever. And so my sophomore year, Dan went back to wrestling like he should have. And all my other best friends were stud wrestlers from my high school. And they were like, Nick, you know, you always, you always try new things. That's one thing we could give to you. you. Always try new things. You always get out of your comfort zone. Why don't you try wrestling? And I start, I said, I can't, I started with can immediately. And the reason why I started with can't is because this arm, this limb was about five inches longer than it is now. And my bone was growing faster than my skin. So it was like your finger, but super sensitive. And I couldn't, I couldn't touch it on things. I couldn't really touch it on things. I would, I would tuck my arm in. And because the bottom line is if I would have hit my arm hard enough, my bone would have came through my skin. And so, you know, I was like, oh, I, I can't wrestle, you know, my arm. And then, you know, I started marinating on this thought. I started marinating and I was like, well, you know, I'm at this low point. I don't feel confident. I feel disgusted in my skin and wrestlers are the coolest thing in my life. Like, that's what I think the coolest thing is. If I could be a part of the team, if I could be with my boys, you know, even if that's in the wrestling room or, or, you know, rolling around the hallway, you know, just with the wrestlers, like that would make me feel better about myself. And so I came home one day, I waited for both my parents to come home and, you know, I, my parents supported me in everything and anything I wanted to do, but this was a little bit different. And so I sat them down. I said, mom and dad, I want to be a wrestler. 
And, you know, my mom was like, oh, no, Nick, you know, God forbid, you know, wrestling's the most physical sport. You know, what, what if you're on the mat, you hit your arm, your bone comes through your skin. What are you going to do then? And here I am, a 16, 17-year-old kid. I looked at them. I said, can we cut it off? <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they said, what? And I said, yeah, can we cut it off? And they said, Nick, first off, the right term is amputation. You're so aggressive with your terms. It's not cut off. It's amputate. So I'm like, all right, can we, can we amputate my arm? And they're like, Nick, is this something that you really want to do? And I'm like, yes, like this has the opportunity to instill more confidence. And and the funny thing is I never told my parents I was at that low point, right? Because I I didn't want, I knew that that would affect them negatively and I didn't want that to happen. So I was like, yes, like this would just make me feel better about myself. I want to do it. And, and, you know, that's what I always tell people, like whether you're trying to become, you know, a better real estate agent or a better investor or or building a business or, or a better husband, a wife, whatever you are focusing your energy on. You need to give it 110% effort or you're literally selling yourself short. It sounds ma- mainstream. It sounds cliche, but like that's that's the real deal. And I always tell people I like cars. So if you treat your body like a Ferrari, if you if you look at yourself as a Ferrari and you're putting you know regular gas into a Ferrari, how is that Ferrari supposed to perform? It's not going to perform like a regular Ferrari. You got to put the right fuels. You got to do the right things so you can operate at that high level. And so I tell people like, Whatever I'm focusing my energy on, I'm all I'm all in. Like I'm I'm fully invested. And so, with a couple hours of persuasion, my parents were like, "All right, if this is something that you really want to do, we'll find you know a doctor to do the amputation." So my sophomore year of high school, we scheduled the amputation, and what they did was they lasered five inches of my bone off, and they did a skin graft. So basically, they pulled extra wow. skin from up on up here and pulled it over so I could have cushion. And I remember telling the doctor, "I'm like, doc." Like if I come out of the surgery and I can't beat someone over the head with this, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> like I'm going to need to be able to, you know, beat someone up with this. And so I come out of surgery, everything went well. And, you know, I was super pumped up, you know, because this was my, my next moment to become a wrestler. And I swear, I always tell people I was the happiest kid that just cut his arm off. I went to high school. I was, you know, pumped up and people were like, dude, like, why'd you cut your arm off? And I'm like, I'm going to become a wrestler. And people laughed at me. You know, they laughed at me and were like, dude, let's let's be real wrestler, let alone athlete. How are you going to do that? You have no legs and one arm. And that's what I always tell people that we're always going to have the outside noise. Like, right. What, what even that even that list, the doctors handed over to my parents, that was outside noise. The, and then when I got to middle school, that was outside noise. And then when people told me I couldn't be a wrestler, that's outside noise. We all have it. We all have outside noise, but we have that same choice. Are we going to let the outside noise sink us or elevate us? Yeah. Are we going to use it as fuel? And that's the one thing that I'm super grateful I picked up on in the early age was like, okay, well, if these kids are going to make fun of me and call me names, I'm going to use it as motivation. And so my junior year, I tried out for my wrestling team. I was JV. I got my butt kicked. Um, my only win was my coach putting me out for a varsity forfeit so I can get my varsity jacket. I was like, thanks, dude. I don't want it. You know, I didn't, I didn't earn it. I don't care. And I, I want to get it legit. In my senior year, um, through, you know, just figuring out how I can, you know, become the best wrestler I could possibly be, how I can, you know, use my head as another arm, another line of defense, just these little nitty gritty things. My senior year, I came out as Central Regional's 106 pound varsity wrestler for my high school. And I'm still in this, this, you know, stage of like, why? I'm in this victimhood of why, why me? You know, there's millions of people born. Why do I have to be born like this? Why do I have to go through these challenges? Why do people have to make fun of me? I'm trying to find like my why. And that's kind of like my whole, my whole message here, especially with my book, which we'll talk about later is like how to go from victim mentality to victim to, to victor, like how to, how to become victorious in your life, how to become victorious in each and every event and how to cultivate that victorious mindset. 
And that's what I always tell people. Like, you look at me, a, no, a kid, uh, you know, a guy with no legs and one arm, and you're like, how can I relate? And I always tell people, physically, you probably can. I'm good looking. I have muscles. And, you know, people are like, oh, you know, oh my God. But like, in, in reality, we all have the ability to cultivate a mindset, right? Yeah. We all have a mindset. And so it's funny, but uh, that's that's what, what people want to know is how Nick thinks. And so wrestling saved my life. And what I mean by that is I was 2-17 and 17 my senior year, but that was two more wins I got the previous year. And that's what we call progress. That's what we call winning. As long as we're moving forward each and every day, we're winning. And so I would have gymnasiums packed to watch me wrestle, which I didn't understand. I'm like, I'm not that good. And then when I, even when I lost, I would get standing ovations and it would piss me off because I'm competitive. I'm like, why are you clapping for me? I just got my butt kicked. And I came off the mat one time and this lady came up to me crying and I'm like, oh my God, you know, what did, what did I do wrong? And she gets down on my level and she's like, Nick, I want to thank you. And you know, here I am a 17, 18 year old kid. I'm like, for what? I just got my butt kicked lady. And she's like, my daughter's over there on the sideline. And she, and she never wanted to do a sport. She never wanted to do a, you know, an extracurricular activity. And she saw you out there wrestling. She, she asked me to try these things. She asked me to try new sports. She wants to sign up for track and field. Like you, you broke the barrier. You did something as a parent that I, I couldn't do. I want to thank you. And my mind just like exploded. I'm like, oh my God, you know, because I was on the map for myself. Like I was trying to dig myself out of a hole and I was motivating people passively. I was like, well, imagine how many lives I could change, how many perspectives I could change for the better if I focused my energy in helping people. I thought it was just like the most wild, like wild thing that could happen. And it was also like a realization that all the things that I thought were negative and disgusting about myself turned out to be my biggest empowerments, my biggest influence, my, my biggest tools of good. And, and, and that's the kind of like the, the message to people is like, like the best thing you could be and the most attractive thing you could be is yourself, your authentic self. And by you being your authentic self is like you're going you're gonna to attract the right tribe. You're going to attract the right support team, the people that love you for you and support you for you. And and the tattoo on my bicep, it's, it's probably upside down to the screen, but it says, you laugh at me because I'm different. I laugh at you because you're all the same. I love and that's, that. that's, thank you. That's not just a dick quote. That's like an everyone quote, like be, be your authentic self, like the best thing you can be, right? Like not putting a mask on. So when you started off this conversation, you mentioned that there was things about you that that just disgusted you. When you looked at yourself, you didn't like your body, you didn't like who you were, and it got so bad you were even thinking about not wanting to be on the earth. And now you've mentioned that some of the things that you hated about yourself the most became the most empowering things about you and what you're doing in, in life. And I've often noticed that maybe not to the degree of severity that you describe, but our biggest frustrations can become our biggest fuel. You know, like the thing that you're just like, oh, I just wish it was different. When you finally get it figured out, becomes a strength of people and they take it really far. And as you're talking, I'm thinking that a lot of people would look at Nick and say, well, life wasn't fair to him. He hasn't, he, it was, you know, he's coming from behind trying to catch up. But what you're describing, like you have an edge over a lot of people because you went through so many tough things in life that you became stronger. And now when uh, a hurdle gets set in front of you or a challenge gets set in front of you, you're just like, that's nothing. I can I can knock that down easily. Where for people that are like newbies wanting to invest in real estate, see that hurdle as Mount Everest. Like, how could I ever get over that? And you're laughing at it, which might be a good segue for you to tell us about the mountain that you've already climbed and like the fitness goals that you set for yourself. But have you spent much time thinking about that where you look at other people, maybe with a little bit of pity, like you've had such an easy life that little things feel so hard for you? So it's, it's funny you brought that. We, I was just talking about this conversation and because I myself, I, I was in a conversation. I was like, 
I was like, I, I, I describe it as the unicorn factor. I'm a unicorn. So like, you know, in industries, like I stand out and if I do something like crazy, like people pick on, but you know, so I told people, yeah, I may, I may have an edge. And then someone said, well, if someone's sitting here and saying, well, Nick had an edge, right. Or he had this there, that's just like, kind of like a cope. So, so it kind of makes them feel better about the stuff that they're not doing. You know what I'm saying? And so when people are like, well, Nick had disadvantages and he, you know, he got over that. Okay. Well, what are the disadvantages that you're complaining about that you're not getting over? You know, like, and so I just wanted to make that point real quick because that I, I did even think about, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I call that the uh, must be nice syndrome, right? Like, oh, yeah, must be yeah, nice yeah. to have been raised in a family with this. Must be nice to have gotten that, you know? Yeah, everyone's hope. Yeah, it's a Kobe. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, real quick, to go back on to go back on what you said about, about hurdles, um, I, I, I don't look, you know, I, I don't look at like I don't give people like pity. Like, I don't feel I don't feel bad for people, but I never like shame people or like look down on people because the thing about judgment is like you would, you never know if you would be in the same position as that person. If you walk through their whole entire life in their shoes, you know? So like, that's how I eliminate judging like my whole entire life. Like if you came up to me and like called me a name, I'd be like, well, maybe I would call myself that name if I've lived his, his body, you know, that all that years. But yeah, I think like you're right with the people looking at like a challenge as uh, you know, Mount Everest, I think it's just, they haven't built their muscle yet. And what I mean by that, and which they can also take comfort in because a muscle, you always build it. Like you're always working on it, right? A skill, a muscle. I think it's just the muscle of like having something come in front of you, like a barrier come in front of you. Like, okay, like, like I said, how, how am I going to run through this? And, and when you get in that, that, that like rhythm of, okay, well, I'm running through barriers now. I'm kind of on this snowball, but I think people just need to start by doing like, you know, little things that are uncomfortable, like start with little challenges that you, you know, that are tedious that you don't like to do. Or when you, when you wake up, like the, the, the five things that you don't want to do, do them first, like do them first, like do the things that you don't want to do first, because after that, you'll be like, like, you'll be just on this, on this like boost of energy, right? This just a snowball of like, I'm crushing things. And, you know, as humans, like we tend to like, you're like, like I said, cope and like find ways to like get out of the things that we want to do. And so if you're always that person that is getting out of the things that you don't want to do or diverting your energy to something else, you're not going to build that muscle. So like my advice is to people is like, do like the tedious, like the, the BS things that you don't want to do that, you know, we're going to move you forward, but you know, it's going to take t- too much of your time and that you don't want to do like start building that muscle. I think that's just a huge perspective shift for people. And an empowering perspective shift is like realizing, like take a sense of comfort that it's a muscle and like, you're not just going to wake up one day and be like, ah, oh, I can run through every wall. You know, like you got to work on yourself. Well, that's why coping the, those copes that you talk about are so dangerous, right? Because it's basically your way of talking yourself out of going to the gym that day. Right. You're losing that opportunity to work on that strength when you're like, oh, must be nice to be able to fill in the blank, whatever. You're giving yourself permission to not go work out, to not solve that problem. And you're really cheating yourself. And that's what I love about how you're just brutally honest about that fact is that if I remove all these copes, I have to work through these problems. I'm going to get stronger than you. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's what I always tell people. I'm like, there's a lot of things in your life that you sit here and we, and we think about, you're like, uh, I don't think I'm ready. Right. You, we, we can all sit here and be like, man, there's a lot of things in our life that you don't think I'm ready. Like jump into those waters, like put yourselves in those waters, those uneasy waters, because by doing that, it's only human nature for you to adapt and overcome. You're going to learn what you need to learn to evolve and get yourself onto land. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think it's just huge for people to take a sense of comfort in that it's a muscle. And so 
you know, at this time when I was a senior, I was wrestling, the app Vine came out. Um, do you guys know what Vine is? Yeah. So yeah, if you, yeah. for those listening, if you don't know what Vine is, and if you do, it was, a, it was an app that was released in 2014 where you could post six second videos. You had to be as creative as you can in six seconds. And I, everything that I do, I always want to bring a message. And for this, I, I knew what it felt like to be disgusted in my body. I knew what it felt like, you know, to, to not want to live anymore. And I know as you know, we're speaking, there are millions of kids and adults that feel that same way, right? That just don't feel like they're confident enough, whatever it may be. And so I wanted to create an outlet where people can look on their phone and be like, wow, you know, look how happy Nick is. Maybe I could be a little bit happier in my situation. And so I'm brainstorming ideas with my friends. And I said, guys, you know, how many legless guys do you see crawling around Walmart pretending to be a zombie? And they said, they, they, they said, you know, no one. And I said, that's a good idea. And so I was a senior in high school. I put fake blood on my face. I put fake blood on my clothes. And Nick set out to his local Walmart in New Jersey, which Nick's not allowed in that Walmart anymore. I've been kicked out like three times. And, you know, I, I pulled a prank. I came around the corner and I was like, Rah! and I scared a guy. And, you know, this video was six seconds and I got, you know, I filmed it in six seconds and I posted that video on Vine and it blew up. It, when I woke up the next day for school, it had over 80,000 likes and over 80,000 revines, which are reposts. And, you know, it, it went like, you know, crazy viral. And, you know, there was news articles all over. But the one article that stood out to me the most was New Jersey teen born with disability turned into a positive. And that's all I wanted people to realize that regardless of what hand life has dealt you with, whether you think your hand is good, whether you think your hand is bad, guess what? You only have one hand. It's our duty to play that hand to the best of your ability. There, there's no getting out of this hand. Like you can either sit here and, and, and moan and complain about your situation or you can go out and, and, and start making it better because you only got one life. And so that was kind of my message going on with that. And, you know, in under a year, I started doing pranks and under a year, I gained a million followers on Vine. And that led me to scaring uh, Norman Reedus in Tokyo, Japan. So Fox hired me to scare him. And but I tell people he, like when he's I he's the Walking Dead guy, right? The the yeah yeah the Darryl, motorcycle Darryl. yeah 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 I love yeah, that. yeah I love that guy. yeah the guy from Boondock Saints as well. And yeah. so, um, but I tell people like when I started focusing on like doing others, like making others people's laugh or trying to motivate and inspire others, like amazing opportunities came into my life. Like rather than getting you know looking in and, and trying to like you know, just work on myself and do things for myself. Once I started like trickling and started focusing energy on other people, like, you know, amazing things came into my life. And after that, you know, I realized that when I have kids and grandkids and I want them to know me for much more than crawling around Walmart. So I needed to do something like bigger and better. And that's when like the lifting came in. I made an announcement to over, you know, a million supporters. I was like, guys, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to become a bodybuilder. I want to break into the mainstream modeling industry and I want to become a keynote speaker. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to do these things, but I'm going to throw myself in these waters, right? And figure it out. And that's what I always tell people. Like the beauty behind life is, especially with the internet, we have the ability to learn whatever we want to learn and implement into our life. Like everything's right here in our computer. Like it's, it's, it's scary, but we can learn anything. And so Unfortunately, there wasn't a book in the library for a kid with no legs and one arm to bodybuilder else that would have saved me time. <laughs> so it was like, just like in everything in life, it's trial and error. Like life is trial and error, problem and solution like we've been talking about. And so I was going into the gym with some of my buddies from wrestling and figuring out, you know, what movements helped me hit my body. And, you know, when I told people I was going to do these things, I, I got a lot of heat for it, right? I got a lot of, you know, heat and kickback. You know, they, they followed me for my pranks. Like, what are you doing? same outside noise. It's the same cycle, but it's, it's good when you, you have that rhythm of, okay, well, I know haters are about to come and just how you're going to react to it. And like, how are you going to be a body? Like, how are you going to be a bodybuilder? You have half a body. Like, these are all the things that were, people were telling to me. And like, 
This can be empowering or disempowering. We attach it's the meaning we attach behind it. So you know the same outside noise like how are you going to be a bodybuilder? You have half a body, and so I chose that as fuel. I'm like, all right, well at least this top of my body is going to be more shredded than your body. Like I was just like, I guess I carried a chip on my shoulder. I don't know if it was from the doctors handing over that list, but thanks, you know. And so my knowledge of nutrition got better, my knowledge of training but got better, my physique started to change, and you know people started to catch on that it wasn't just a phase for me. And, you know, with fitness, like I always tell people, go back to the Ferrari thing. Like once I'm starting to feel better about my body, you know, this, this also built my confidence, you know, like just like feeling better about my body, feeling more comfortable with my skin. And so I moved to Tampa a year ago and, and, you know, I'm always looking to put myself in uneasy water. So I promised myself, my family, my friends and my supporters, I said, guys, I'm going to get on the competitive bodybuilding stage before 2017 was over. I knew nothing about competitive bodybuilding. And I told people that I was very transparent. I was like, I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to learn. And so I dedicated like, like, like 12 weeks to this preparation. And um, I was two weeks out from the competition. And I went to Las Vegas for Mr. Olympia to hang out with the supporters and fans, which was a couple weeks ago. I just got back. And I always tell, I like, I talk about moments of like being guided, like where life just like puts the right people. And in, 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 like when you're on that frequency, like putting the right people in your life. And so the expo was Friday and the expo was Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So I went Friday, I went Saturday, but Sunday I decided to hang home and I went to uh, hang at the pool. And then I was like, all right, we got to go to the gym. So I went to the gym and when I got in there, my buddy comes running up to me. He's like, dude, the rock, the rock is upstairs lifting. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty sweet. Like, can I go lift? And he's like, yeah. And so I climb up these stairs and long behold, there's like four security guards and there's Dwayne and he's doing dips. And I'm like, oh my God, it really is the rock. And so I told my guys, I look back at my my team. I said, "Do not bother this man. He already knows me from my bodybuilding videos. If the Rock is who he who he says he is, he'll come up to me. I promise. Just like don't bother him." And so you know we're going through our, going through the motions and we're lifting. At one point, he's like next to me, he's doing curls, and I wasn't paying him any attention. I was just doing my workout. And then he goes over into the corner and he pulls off his headphones and he gets bombarded by pictures. And you know I do I do the the what a good leader should do. And I go back and I go I, like a moment of reassurance. I'm like, guys, I promise you it'll happen. Like don't freak out. And so, you know, I'm lifting and his security guard comes over and taps me on my shoulder. He goes, you're Nick, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, can Dwayne meet you? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, come on, like, like, bring him on. Yeah, no, so sorry. I'm, I'm busy. I'm not, I'm not going to go talk to the rock. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I'll bring him over. So they escorted me over into a corner. Dwayne came up and he, you know, the first thing he did, got on my level and high five me. He goes, dude, I'm such a big fan. And I'm like, I'm like trying to hold my inner fan girl in, right? I'm like freaking out. <laughs> And, um, you know, he, he's like, uh, can we get a picture? And we took a picture and I told him, I looked at him, I said, I told him all the things I was going to be doing, you know, at that time I was like, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I told him, I looked him in his eyes. I said, I'm going to do what you did. And he said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, you're the rock. I said, people knew you for football and then people knew you for WWE. And then you took over the world. Like you're in every industry, you're crushing every industry. I said, I'm going to do that. And he looked me in my eyes. He said, Nick, you're right. Because like, me, people like me and you, they put us in any industry and we adapt and overcome. And, you know, I was like, oh my God, you know, like, that, like it was just like a moment of reassurance. And, and for the people that are listening, like you can sit here and self-reflect and ask yourself, how good is your ability to adapt and overcome? Because that, that's like, I feel like that's all life is, right? Like we, we, we have a goal and we set out, but things don't always go the way that we, we plan it. Right. And it's just our ability to pivot. It's our ability to like be like, okay, well, this is not working. Let me figure out the next approach. Like, you know, and and I feel like it just the same thing. Like, that's a muscle, right? So, like, what, like, 
Are you working on your ability to pivot? Are you working on your ability to adapt and overcome? I think that's very huge for people to just it, even just to like realize, right? Like some people don't realize some of these, th- some of these things. And it's like, well, if I put attention on that, I can see if I'm getting better at like pivoting and stuff. And so we took a picture and then I told them about my competition. I was two weeks out. And so fast forward two weeks later, I'm backstage. I'm about to like make history and get on stage. And my buddy comes running up to me. He goes, dude, the rock posted you on his Instagram. And um, for all the millennials out there, like that's a big deal. Like uh, The Rock has over 100, 110 million Instagram followers. It's like more than the president. It's like a big deal and it's crazy. And so he posted this really long, heartfelt message. And at the end, he said, I want to thank Nick for sharpening my perspective a little bit more on life. And that's cool. This this was like a yeah, this was like a, you know, a moment of reassurance for me. Right. Like I, that was a moment of reassurance that not only was my story helping and changing people, but if it was changing perspectives of that tier of that high tier that like I always tell people I may not have legs, but that was reassurance that I'm going to make a massive footprint in this world before I leave. And that and that's my goal. And so, you know, with that being said, I competed. I took third in my class of men's physique. So I, I beat full bodied guys. And, um, you know, just real quick, the approach I took on that was like, I knew that if I would have stepped on stage at at 12, 15% body fat, that people would have clapped their hands anyway, but that's not me. You know, like I went out as shredded as I can and I beat, I beat other guys. And so after that, you know, I, I started working on my speaking and that's what I always tell people, like all these industries, I didn't know what I was doing, but you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Find out who's crushing it in your, in your industry and learn from them, learn what they're doing right learn what they're doing wrong and save yourself some time. Yeah. Like drop your ego and realize that like, yo, it's this, this stuff has already been done. Like it's already been done. Just find out like who's doing it right and like model them. And so I moved to Tampa and that's where I found my tribe who, who I have now, Ratmir and Don, who, you know, have dedicated lives to traveling the world. And you've, you've met them at GoBundance yeah. and traveling the world and just, you know, on my team to help share this message. And so we were just looking at the people that were crushing and, and speaking and finding out what they were doing right. And so, you know, we started the speaking company. It'll be, it's October. Wow. So it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a year. It's been a year since we had the company. Okay. All right, good. So I, I want, there's a few things you mentioned in the last couple of minutes that I want to kind of pull out here and talk because again, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of our audience are real estate investors, not all of them, but just people who are trying to achieve great things. So the first thing I want to ask you about is goals. You've said goals a couple of times. So obviously you're a goal guy. How do you view goals? Like what makes a good one? What do you do to ensure you get it accomplished? Can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So I have my approach. And like I said, before I say this, my approach may be different than your approach. And this may not be your approach, right? Everybody has a different approach. But so in my goals, everyone knows smart goals, right? Like where, where you have a time limit on them and you set your deadlines. But I also set like way crazy goals. Like I set like way crazy goals. For example, the background on my phone is the Beijing, the Beijing Olympic Stadium in China because I plan to sell that stadium out in three years. That's oh, my that's goal. Cool. I'm touring China in December, but my goal is to sell out 100,000 people in a stadium in three years, which is crazy. But like, that's my goal, right? I set like super high goals. But my thing about goals is, which he, he was he was mentioning the rock climbing, the rock climbing video, which I could tie this into is through speaking all over, I realized that people want how I think. And so I can't be everywhere. So I created a mindset program. It's a virtual training program where you log in and then basically it's a bunch of modules. But the one module on goal setting, it's so it's it's goal setting, eliminating excuses, limiting beliefs. It, it was me climbing a mountain. And the best way to teach people is to paint the picture. Like the, the easiest way is just paint the picture for people. So I told people, I was like, I basically walked them through. I was like, here's my goal. 
I'm, my team said I'm going to climb a three and a half mile mountain. This is a super crazy goal for me. I'm very uncomfortable. And these are the things that are starting to go through my head. So I, I labeled my limiting beliefs. I, I, I labeled the things that I, that were going through my head that I didn't think I could do. And then I, I walked them through like, here's how you're feeling 25% and 50% and 75% and, and also the importance of accountability groups around your goals. And what I mean by that is like, it's great to have people loving on you, but that doesn't really help you. You need people that are loving on you, but are like, okay, Nick, like you still have 50% of the mountain to go. Like you got to keep climbing it. And so with goals, set also set goals that you know where that, that you can achieve that are, aren't like way like out of there, but also set like really big ones. And ha- like with goals, it's just reverse engineering. So like you take a goal and you just start reverse engineering from like, okay, like just picture yourself that you already have your goal done. And like, what are the steps before it? Like, how am I going to get to that goal? Because I think painting the picture, like I said, even with goals helps you, helps you stay motivated, helps you stay on track when you have like little stepping stones. So like you take your goal and then you make little micro goals. So yeah, if that, if that, if that kind of answered your question. It, it, yeah, does, yeah. it does quite a bit because I mean, like, again, I think, I think a lot of success in life comes down to like two things, like knowing what you want and then working for it. And that sounds really simplistic, right? But like at the heart of everything, like most people just don't know what they want. And those people who do know what they want oftentimes don't work for it. But if you only did those two things is define clearly what you want and then work towards it and the way you work towards it. Yeah. You know what you want. So work backwards like that. Right. So we have a journal, a, a bigger pockets a journal coming out here this fall or winter. That's basically that, right? It starts with, we talked about gratitude earlier and I want to revisit that as yep. well here in a minute. Cause like the, the journal begins with gratitude. Like what are those things you're grateful for? And then it moves into, yeah, what are those big goals? Then let's break them down. One thing I love doing, I do it on webinars a lot. I take like a big goal. Like, Hey, my five-year goal is to retire from real estate. Great. That's awesome. And most people, that's as far as they ever take it. Right. But I'm like, no, what are you going to do this year? to be on track for that five-year goal, right? What do you got to, okay, so now you know, now you got a one-year goal. Now to be on track for your one-year goal, what do you got to do this quarter? Be on track for this quarter, what do you got to do this month, this week, this day, the next five minutes? And every goal, I believe every goal can be condensed down to what is my next, like the most important next step, which I call MINS, M-I-N-S, right? Most important next step. And it's like, yeah, what is that most important next step? And do it, right? Schedule, go put it on your yeah. calendar because like you said, like otherwise it's just like a lofty goal. It's just like, it's great to have big goals. It's floating, it's just yeah, floating over exactly. there. Exactly, <laughs> it's just floating over there. So let's take it, let's ground it. Let's get down to a, here's what I'm gonna do. So for example, for a lot of real estate investors, I'll take it to the real estate space. They say they wanna yeah, retire yeah. from real estate, right? So we backtrack and we say, okay, great. You wanna retire from real estate. So uh, you're gonna need what? $10,000 a month. Okay, so what's your five, you know, what five-year goal is 10 grand a month. Great, what's your one-year goal? Maybe it should just be to buy, you know, two properties this year. That's a good start. If you buy two this year, maybe you'll double it next year. Okay, great. Now two this year. Okay. So what's your goal for the next six months? Oh, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy one deal. Okay. Well, what's your goal for the next quarter? I'm going to make a couple offers this quarter. Great. Okay. So what's your goal for this month? Well, I'm going to get really, really, really good at analyzing deals. Okay. Let's break it down to daily. I'm going to analyze one deal every single day. What's your next thing you're going to do? Uh, I'm going to go analyze three deals right now. Or I'm going to put on my calendar for tonight, right? So that's, again, that's a kind of a tangible Absolutely. example of taking that down. So uh, anyway, so a, a rant over on that. Yeah, for, I, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. yeah, real quick, just to piggyback on that. Please. Just like, for those of you that are writing down notes, clarity is power. Like, well, clarity yeah. is power. Like, when you are so clear in what you want, like, that's empowering. Like, just the way you broke it down. Like, if when you know the tangible steps that you need to take, like, that's power. So just, yeah, get get your... 
Find out what you want and get clarity on it. Yeah, I love it. And then you said uh, you talked about modeling, and I love that as well, right? Like we always always try to reinvent the wheel, but it, it, most of us, yeah. yeah. I mean, like unlike like you when you're trying to be a bodybuilder, you're not going to find a book on how to be a bodybuilder when you have no legs and one arm, right? But there is a book on a lot of things, right? Like on nutrition, you, on nutrition, yeah, nutrition, nutrition, yep. <laughs> exactly, right? So there there are people who have done exactly what you want to do in life, and that's one thing that's powerful about podcasting, right? When you listen to a podcast, you're listening to somebody else, and you can model what they're doing. It's not going to be exact, of course, but yeah, I love that concept of modeling. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. What works? So it's translated again to real estate. Like when I'm trying to think of like I want to I want to buy a property this year. I'm not going to just go like go make something up and I, it's all this hard work and I got to figure, no, I'm going to do exactly what that guy did because it worked for him. I'm going to copy his, for example, like I'm going to copy his exact letter he mails out to motivated sellers, or I'm going to figure out what his script looks like and I'm going to model it after him. And again, that's the value of podcasts and forums and blog posts and just self-education, right? Like learn what other people absolutely. are doing and repeat it. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, some people are like, well, I, I can't get in contact with that person. We'll read their book. Or read their podcast, like get as, as get as personal as you can through, you know, social media, like whatever it may be. There's always a way to, you know, learn from that person. So, yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Then one, one last thing, and then we'll, we'll move on. I'm curious, going back to the gratitude thing, you know, like, again, I'm, I'm a huge believer in it. Do you have any advice? You mentioned something about five things grateful for every morning. Can you expand on gratitude a little bit? And like, why is that so important? And what are some ways to do that? Yeah. So one, the reason why why it's, I think it's important is because I think we can all agree life gets hectic, right? And we're, and we're, sometimes we're just going through the motions. Like we wake up, we're grinding, we wake up, we're grinding, we go to sleep. And like people just like forgot, like they forget to like stop and like take a breath and be like, man, I woke up, you know, I woke up today. You know, I have clothes on, I have clothes on my body. You know, I live in a house. I, I have food in my refrigerator. Like when I was sleeping, like my heart was still beating for me. Like it was still going like, so I can live. And like that, like, your heart, like you didn't have to work for it. Like you, one day you were born and you had it, like it's a gift. And lately I've been on this kick of just like, really like it's spanning my mind and thinking about wild things. But I think a lot of people would have less stress and, and less worry in their life if at least once a day they realize the fact that like we're on a rock and it's like spinning around in the middle of nowhere. You know, like we're just like here and we're just like, we don't know why and just like embrace and just like embrace life, how like wild life is like, and how grateful we should be with life. But this thing I was saying, it's emotionally impossible for you to feel grateful and sad at the same time. That that emotion of gratitude outweighs all the negative emotions. And that's what I tell people is like, when I start my day, like today, just thinking about five things I'm grateful for. Man, I woke up today. I have the opportunity to get on a podcast. You know, I have food in my refrigerator. By you doing this, like I always tell people, starting your day off for gratitude is starting your day off on the right foot. And I don't have feet and I can still do it so that you can do it too. And I think we can all agree that a lot of ungrateful kids are getting raised nowadays. And so the one thing that I, I push to parents is hold your kids accountable with gratitude. You know, have your kids list what they're grateful for and you guys share it each and every morning and each and every night. If you want to instill good uh, habits into your kid, gratitude is a great habit. And I want to bring it down so people can even get my perspective of, you know, living in this body. I know each and every day that me, a man with uh, no legs and one arm, that there are millions of kids and adults that would switch places with me in an instant because they just don't have it like I do. They, and, and, and not in a cocky way. I'm saying like they live in, in bad, you know, bad situations or living on the street or they don't have this. They don't have that. Like this isn't a disability. The biggest disability you can have is a bad mindset. And that's what I try to get people. I'm like, I'm not disabled. Like this is your superpower. And so for me to realize okay, like you may think this situation is bad, but it's not like there, there are millions of kids and adults that are like, have it way worse than me. And, and, and that goes that like piggybacks into like life is all perspective. 
that is all life. Life is all perspective and the way you look at it. Like, and so if you want to piggyback on that, I just I, get real fired actually, up on the gratitude. Well, I, <laughs> I, I do on the, on, on the, I mean, on all of it, but you mentioned something that you said, like all life is like, like how we, how we view it. Right. So there's this, uh, I think Tony Robbins did it. I, it was something I listened to or watched a while back, but he talked about like a hug, right? Is a hug intrinsically good or bad? And most of us would respond like uh, off the top of our head. We're like, oh yeah, it's a good thing. Well, what if it was from somebody who just murdered a bunch of people? Would you still want a hug from that guy? Or, you know, like, like, of course not. That would feel, or a creep, you know, the creep down the street who yeah. obviously has like, yeah. you know, I don't want him hugging me. Right. So like things don't have, most things in life don't have intrinsic. Is it good or is it bad? It's how we react to it, how we respond to it, how we feel about it in our heads. Right. So change the way the meaning you, we attach. exactly the meaning we attach. Yeah. So, right. So attach a different meaning to things. If you're, if you're upset about things, if you're, if you're irritated, if you're whatever, change the meaning of how we look at that. Right. Like, and that's where I think gratitude comes in is oftentimes that's the best way I think to be to change how you feel about something is being grateful about it, right? So like, yeah, I didn't get that deal. I wanted that real estate deal. I didn't get it. You know what? I am so grateful that I live in an area where I can go make another offer tomorrow. Like I can go make 10 offers. I can double my advertising spend for deals. I can go and meet with more real estate investors. Like how awesome is that, that I live in a world that I can do that? Oh man, like now that's the meaning totally changes. And now it's empowering. Now it's empowering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Right. I'm fired up to go do something else. (laughs) And, and, and the same thing for like, for people, even for me, like when I'm on a plane, like I just got back from a month of touring and you know, when I'm sitting on a plane and I'm like, Oh my God, I live in the airport. Well, I, I am like, Oh, well, let's not think of like, like think like that. I'm like, well, I'm grateful to be busy. I'm grateful to be productive because if I was sitting home on a couch and didn't have nothing going on, I'd be freaking out. So also that, and yeah, I want to tell a story on the meaning you attach behind things is a perfect way to leeway into it. So the meaning you attach is like my favorite thing to like teach, right? And tell people like, this is, this is it. Like whatever, like I can have a tragic event happen in my life and you can see all the good and I can see all the bad. It's the meaning we attach behind it. And that's what I always tell people is like life, like right now we're sitting in plain energy. We're sitting in plain energy and like we are the dictators, whether things around us are negative or positive. It, like I said, it's the meaning we attach and we are the dictators. Like we are the architects and we're in control of that. And so a couple months ago, I had the opportunity to work at a UFC event in Madison Square Garden. So I had the opportunity to interview the fighters, interview the celebrities. And, you know, Nick was feeling like the man. I always tell people my confidence was like way, way taller than I'll ever be. And it was time for me to travel. It was time for me to go home. And I was traveling alone. And with planes, you have first come, first serve, or seat. And so I rolled up in a wheelchair. And you know what that means? I get to skip the line. So I skipped the line. <laughs> And I, and I get in the first row and it's a three seater row and I sit next to the window. So there's two seats next to me. And I remember the flight attendant saying, honey, this is going to be a full flight. And I said, yeah, it's fine. You know, I already got my seat. And so they start boarding and they start boarding and people are like looking at me and they're looking away or, you know, hey, hey look at that guy. Yep. And, and, you know, my whole life, I'm 22. I'm in tune. I'm in tune with this. Like, you know, my whole life, I'm, I'm just in tune with people's reactions. And so you know, people are doing this and, and I'm kind of getting like, you know, upset and the plane's filling in and no one wants to sit next to me. You know, the seats are getting filled all around me and these two seats are empty and I'm, you know, I'm starting to tear up and it brought me back to that moment in middle school when I felt like absolutely disgusted with myself. You know, it brought me back to that moment. And, you know, that's, I tell people, you're like, we're we're the only humans that can think a thought and piss ourselves off and make ourselves upset or, you know, make ourselves happy. Like we're the only being that could do that. And so, you know, here I am, the plane's starting to fill in and I'm like, I'm, I'm like crying and, you know, it's filling in and filling in and finally two gentlemen have to sit down and I'm looking out the window and I'm, and I'm crying and I'm, I'm trying not to like let people know I'm crying. 
And so I'm looking at the window and, and I thought to myself, I said, Nick, you know, what would you tell the kids? You know, what would you tell the kids you speak to? What would you tell the adults you speak to? Like, what would you tell them? And I, that's what I thought, you know, it's the meaning I attach behind this. It's like, what meaning am I going to attach behind this? Is it going to be disempowering or empowering? And that's when I realized that I could cry all the way home. I could let, I could let this affect my day, my, my week, my month, or I could celebrate the fact that I had the most leg room in this plane. <laughs> and like, and like, what's it going to be? Like I took like, I was, and then I tell people like, snap your fingers. Cause I can, and they snap their fingers. And I'm like, I took a moment in a snap of a finger that I thought was negative where I was upset. And I switched the meaning behind it. I switched the meaning behind it to something empowering. And here I am, you know, like pumped up about the fact that like, all right, well, you don't want to sit next to me. That's fine. I got the, like, you guys are all fighting over leg room. I got the most, you know, like yeah. that's the, that's everything in life. Like every event in your life, like it's the meaning you attach behind that. And also I want to bring up, I love this quote by Nelson Mandela. He says, I don't lose. I only win or I learn. And that's the same thing. And that's, that's life. Like if we can self-reflect on an event that happened in the past that you may think was bad, that happened against you and not for you. And you pull one good piece of information from that, whether it was one piece of wisdom, one different approach, what, what maybe, maybe it was a gained perspective, but there's always one good piece of information to pull out of any event. And what you do by that is you take an L, what you think was an L, a loss, and you pull one good piece of information, you extract that piece of information and you turn into a win, you learn from it. And, and then, then you realize that you don't lose in life. You only win or you learn. And so I think that's super important for people to realize and also self-reflected, like you could take an event of your life and you thought it was bad, pull one good piece of information from it. And that, that event happened for you. And that, and that's a big mind shift, mind shift for people going from victim to victor is realizing like the world is happening for you and not to you. The things that happened in your past are all like, it just all happened. And, and it has, you know, sculpted you into who you are. Like these things have made you into your heart. Like they're all empowering. And so I think that's a huge, a huge mind shift for people for ha to, for people to have is because everyone like, I feel like everyone at least one point in life has a victim mentality of like, why me? Like, why is this happening to me? Like, you know, and it's just empowering to know that like this happened for me. It didn't happen to me. And, you know, there's always one good piece of information that can come out of this. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of where, you know, I tie in the, like my book, my book is, is how to go from victim to victor mentality and live the life you love. And it's 15 stories, you know, like, some of these personal stories I, I've told, it's 15 stories, lessons and applications of how people can just start, you know, having these mindset tricks and start living that life. Like, because that's what people want to know. They're like, how is this kid so happy? How does this kid think <laughs> this way? How is this kid, you know, achieving these things with no legs and one arm? It's just, this is your superpower. That's this awesome. is all it is. That's awesome. So what do we, what, when's the book come out? When do people get it? How do they get it? Yeah. So the book is, like I said, how to go from victim to victor and live the life you love. And so the book will be out and it'll be out on Amazon, but it'll be out probably in the next couple of days. So okay. if you guys just keep, keep a look on it, it'll, it'll be on Amazon. And if you type in my name for the podcast, if you type in um, victim to Victor, it'll pop up. Cool. It's, it's the only book with a man with no legs and one arm that's shirtless on it. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. I will put a link in the show notes as well for that. Uh, I would encourage everyone to go pick up a copy. I mean, like, yeah, Nick, you're super inspiring. Uh, anything you want to leave us with today? Any uh, final pieces of wisdom, advice, things you've learned? You know, any, any stories you wanted to cover before we get out of here? Yeah, um, I just just wrap it up like to just really like hit that nail on the hammer is like life is all perspective, guys. And just like it's the way you look at it. 
And you could either look at it through a negative lens. You could focus on the negative. You could focus on your weaknesses. Like, and that stuff doesn't empower you. It's 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 literally all about focusing on the good, focusing on what you're good at, and also you know being being brutally honest with yourself on what your what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And I think that's super important, super empowering because you know what you're good at and you know what you need to delegate at, and 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 to drop your ego and realize that some things you're not good at. And, and if you don't have the time to learn them, that it's okay to delegate and have someone else do it that is, you know, has, has strengths in that field because, you know, time is valuable. Time is super valuable. We're always trying to systemize things, right? And make things, you know, self-efficient and, and, you know, build our, our horizontal income. So we're making money while we sleep. Well, there's some things that you, you're, that's not your strengths. You know, there's some things that we're not good at. So it's go ahead and, you know, drop that ego and, and start delegating. So you have more time to focus on your strengths and, you know, in every situation, we have that choice. It's like it's like life. We can focus on the negative, or we can focus on the power, you know, the the, the positive and and the, the disempowering meaning and the empowering meaning. It's just like it's like what's it going to be? And and so once people look through life in in that lens of like you know the world's happening for me and not to me, and all these events in my life in the future, now in the present, like I'm going to learn from them and I and I don't lose. I only win or I learn. Yeah, that's powerful. Drops the mic. I love it. All right, <laughs> dude, this has been fantastic. So thank you so much for this today. Uh, you know, I think, I think our audience is going to love hearing this. So uh, again, y'all check out the book. It's called Victim to Victor, correct? Victim to Victor. By Nick How, how to Sant- overcome that victim mentality. How to overcome. Man, I love it. All right. Nick Santa Nastasso. <laughs> Santa Nastasso, right? Yeah, I did the, there it is. I did the hand. I did the hand. Yes. Dude, thanks so much. You know, keep in touch. You got it, brother. Grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Great job, man. All right. And that was our interview with Nick Sa- Santa Nastasso. Did I get it? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, had, I, I, I stumbled there for a second. But uh, Nick, fantastic dude. I love the mindset. I love the, the conversation that like our reality is based on how we perceive things in a lot of cases. I mean, like, like we get angry at a person or we get sad because of a deal it's all how we feel, right? It's we change, we define our reality in a lot of ways. And I, it's just a good reminder that, you know, despite challenges, despite being born, you know, with three of his four limbs missing, the guy's overcoming all sorts of odds and just doing awesome stuff. So yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm grateful we have people like Nick because he just reinforces that idea. Just like The Rock said, like people like us, you drop us in any situation, we will adapt and overcome and we yep. will dominate in that area. And anybody can have that mindset, right? It's your physical body is plays zero role in your success. It is all about your mindset. And his comment that the biggest disability is a bad mindset was oh, just, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, that's really good. Yeah, I'm going to make some Instagram quotes cards for that. So yeah, speaking of Instagram, make sure you're following Bigger Pockets over on Instagram at Bigger Pockets. And uh make sure you follow David Green over there at David Green24 and at Beardy Brandon if you want to follow what I'm doing. And that's it. So, David, I'm gonna get out of here. Thanks for uh being an awesome, amazing co-host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Oh, thanks for that gratitude, Brandon. That's very nice of you. I'm grateful. Let's, for uh, you. Let's go crush our days after hearing from Nick. That being said, this is David Green for Brandon Handsome Shirt Turner signing off. (laughs) You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. 
be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.